Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help you become a master of the mental game and to help you start dominating the day. Brian King Peak Performance Podcast, and today we are with John Vodenlich. He's the head baseball coach of the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, a Division III college baseball power and two-time national champion. Coach, appreciate you making time to sit down with us here and talk a little bit about the mental game and about coaching excellence. Always you, a pleasure. If you could, would you please take our listeners kind of through your background, maybe from when you got started in coaching all the way to where you are here today? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know... After I graduated and, and got my degree, I, I, I figured I wanted to get a job, right, and start paying bills. So I actually spent some time away from the game uh, for a brief period of time in the business sector, and, and during that time realized I wanted to coach. And uh, luckily for me, I was able to still then go back and stay in contact with, with uh, UW-Whitewater because that's where I played. And uh, the coach there, Jim Miller, was, was very receptive to me helping and being involved. So I was trying to just keep my foot in the door. Uh, luckily, uh, after about a thousand applications and resumes sent out, I did get a job offer uh, at Edgewood College in Madison, Wisconsin, which was a small, um, you know, not well-known program. And uh, I was there for a couple years. The first year, we set the record for wins, uh, historic record for wins, which was ten. I was ten and twenty-three that season. But then by the second year, we're, we're over 519 and 17. Things were going in a good direction. I was enjoying my time there. And then, uh, and then once again, Jim Miller called me up and said there was an opportunity to come back to my alma mater. I wondered if I'd be interested. We sat down and talked a little bit. He had a compelling case, and, and then the rest is kind of history. I've been back to UW-Whitewater since the year 2000. So I've been in the program 14 years, 11 as the head coach. Um, and very proud of, of the direction and uh, of the program, but also what we've accomplished um, since then. And, um, you know, enjoy getting to know other coaches and, and really doing these type of things. And I appreciate uh, what you've done for us and, and also uh, just being able to spend some time here in Prague. Talk a little bit about your two national championship seasons and common characteristics maybe amongst those two teams that maybe other teams didn't have. Yeah, you know, and of course there's a lot, right? I mean, you could just look at all those things. Um, for sure, the performance piece, uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, it's it's that clutch performance piece, that ability to, to get the big hit or get big in the right situation um, was, was critical in both of those teams. And, and uh, so that's the first kind of similar element the second was their resiliency at, at in with both teams at some point in the season we were close to elimination I mean we were close to being eliminated from contention really to make a run and uh, both teams uh, you know had a remarkable comeback uh, did some special things and I think that built confidence for the for the national chip national championship run so that would be the second and then finally uh, I think when I look at the player personnel, what I remember most of those two seasons um, was was how they prepared and how each individual prepared a little bit differently. But the one thing I was certain of is that they were preparing each and every day. Um, so I, I could many times I found myself sitting and watching the process 
instead of having to push the process. So it was, you know, it's it's when you go to practice and everyone seems to really understand what they should be doing and how they should be doing it without, as a coach, having to motivate them or stimulate them or whatever was, was really, for me, another common, you know, characteristic. And, and I said in the, this past uh, championship, I said, they asked me how I felt, and I said I felt pretty useless because when it was all said and done, the players played in, in, in the national championship day. I didn't really do much. They, they played and they earned the national championship. So it was that, that ability of those players to, to pretty much understand the direction we were trying to go and be able to individually prepare each day. So, you know, you talk about the, winning two national championships. How does, a, as a head coach, how does winning a national championship change your life? You know, I, I don't think it really does. Um, I think it changes perhaps the perspective of your life. You know, I, I think, you know, has it really changed me as a person? No. Could it have? Yes. Uh, did it really change my situation? Am I going to do something different? Many coaches probably do. Maybe they get complacent or whatever. Um, but, you know, in the, in the big scheme of things, we win a national championship. And my, my philosophy is, is you wake up the next day. 20 years from now, no one's really going to care who won the national championship in, in 14. So, for me, I think it's a humbling it's it's a humbling experience. And unless you understand that, you know, the next day you just got to show up and work, I think it becomes. I, I think we create some problems based on our successes, right? So, um, for me, I hope it doesn't change me tre tremendously um, or significantly because what we've been doing has been working. So you talk about what you've been doing has been working. So obviously you have a system that you use at, at Whitewater. Could you talk a little bit about your program beliefs or your program pillars and, and what you think makes you guys as a program, not just in baseball, because last year you won the national championship in men's basketball and in football, and you threw a staggering statistic out yesterday when you were speaking about the percentage of, of a school winning those big three national championships. So if you could share that number, but then also what makes Whitewater such a successful athletic Department. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and, and we got a lot of notoriety because we we're included in it with football, who had won their fifth national championship, and basketball, which had won their fourth national championship, and we were, I guess, the back end of what they referred to as the trifecta. And the New York Times uh, told us, uh, told me that they calculated the odds as thirty-eight million six hundred to one. First time ever in the history of the NCAA to ever ever accomplish that. Um, but we also, uh, you know, forget that there was other teams that really had tremendous seasons, and as a whole, it's a great place to be. Why? Why do I think it's different? I, I think I don't know if synergy is the word, but you know, it, I think our, our athletes feed off of one another. You know, when they're working in the, in a common weight room, it's not a baseball weight room, it's not a football weight room, it, it's the weight room that we all use. When when the volleyball player to your right and the football player to your left both have won national championships. I think you want to get some of that, and and then and then of course it's the culture that's created, uh, and the best, the biggest core value that I think I see across all of our sports is the idea of excellence, being 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 all they can be, right? Um, and, and that's an internal really measure more than anything, right? Success is how other people see you. Excellence is a measure of. You know, you maximizing your God-given talent. And I think each of our program programs really have that element of excellence. Um, and then our motto is powered by tradition. And we, we really feed off the fact that um, 
although tradition does indeed graduate because players move on and, and on the bigger and better things, I think the realization that you're in a place that's bigger than you and there's more going on than just you, um, I think helps our athletes understand that we're playing for something much bigger than, than ourselves or even our team. You know, I think a lot of a lot of you know, the athletes that would be listening to this that are interested in, in learning more about college athletics and what the demands are and the, and the commitments that it takes to be a successful collegiate athlete, I think often they look at Division One baseball versus Division Three baseball, and they think that Division One is always better. And when you get on the inside, you realize that it's it's not always the case. It's, it's kind of a program by program basis, and there's some Division One programs that operate more like Division Threes, and some Division Threes that operate more like Division Ones. Talk a little bit about, from your experience, the difference between maybe Division One, Division Three, or just through the whole recruiting process. How do you how do you work with you know the kid that comes in and says, "Well, coach, I'm waiting to see if I get that Division One offer before I go to Division Three." Yeah, and that's you know that's the reality of what we deal with, and uh, you know we're not in the business of trying to prevent athletes in the Midwest from receiving scholarships. We want them to get good deals in good places. And because it's a, a tremendous opportunity. So that's not what we try to do, but we do try to offer uh, the other option. The other option is, is that we're, we're a very committed uh, Division three school. Um, in many cases, from a cost standpoint, we can be as cost-efficient um, as, as a, a, a place that gets, gives a scholarship. You know, uh, we have an athlete on our team, a freshman last year. He's a sophomore this year, a kid by the name of uh, Austin Jones. Uh, probably one of our most talented players. Well, he turned down a 60% ride from northern Illinois to come to Whitewater. There was a number of factors for that, but the cost was very, very similar because he was an out-of-state kid going you know, to northern as opposed to staying in-state, so there's some cost savings there. Um, but I, I guess looking at that whole thing, the, the perception isn't reality. Um, when I was coming out of high school, I thought that Division One. Division two, Division three. If I looked at the system, it meant that as you went up the the, the levels, everything got better. So a Division one school, when you compare it to Division three, should, by its very nature, be a better school in a better community with better coaching and better facilities and more programmatic success. All right. and, and what I realized is that's not always the case. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I hope I can continue to learn from the great coaches at every level and, and try to run our program, I guess, as well as possible, regardless of the level. Someone that's been very instrumental in the Midwest is a guy by the name of Gordy Gillespie. Gordy Gillespie never coached Division I baseball, okay? But Gordy, I think... I don't know, maybe Augie Garrido got him not too long ago, but he was the winningest coach in college baseball for a long, 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 long time. And I, I once calculated the odds. If I continue to win 40 games a season for 40 more years, I might get close to where Gordy was. So Gordy's been coaching forever and, uh, and was a major, major impact in, in Midwest baseball. I think everyone in the nation probably knows who he is if they do any work on, in, in baseball. So, um, you know, and he was a non-Division One guy that was maybe the most tremendous coach I ever, you know, had the experience to work with. So, um, you know, the levels don't mean anything, but but 
you know, Division One and Division Two give scholarships. Division Three don't give athletic scholarships. That's really the significance. It's not the size. It's not the facilities. In many cases, it's not even the quality of the student athlete. Um, but we have a niche. I mean, it, it, you have to fit into our market, and 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 we're fortunate to get a lot of high quality student athletes. You talked about Gordy Gillespie. Are there other coaches that have had a huge impact on you, and what have you learned from those coaches? You know, I almost, I'm almost scared to start naming them because I know I'll forget some. Yeah, sure. But, of, of course, I always give credit to the American Baseball Coaches Association um, because I've seen so many tremendous uh, Division One, Division Two, and Division Three coaches speak at the ABCA that just by sitting in those seats watching them, you get excited about the game. So for, for me, for sure, for sure, that's been an influence. Um, but as far as personally, uh, Coach Gillespie, for sure, uh, you, you're familiar with Tom O'Connell, who I guess by standards is only a high school coach. I have a good friend of mine, Mark Fuller, who's also a high school coach that has influenced me very positively. Um, there's uh, there's my, my mentor, the, the guy I took over for, um, you know, older coach by the name of James Miller, who, who was my college coach and then ultimately my my colleague when we worked together at Whitewater when I got back there so those are just some of the people that have influenced me and there's many many more I mean I've, I've really been impressed with with your work and what you've been able to bring to the table not only for our program but other programs and and uh, and then I'll, I'll leave you with uh, Charlie Green senior who who uh, was the coach down at my, my Miami Dade for many many years and and uh, he always said it every time I saw him he would say this and that's I don't know if I'm old school but or new school, but I know I always have to stay in school. And just the idea of always, you know, that, that consistent improvement of, the, of, of ourselves as coaches is, is critical for all the great coaches that I've met. They're, they're always still in school. They're always trying to get better. They're always trying to learn from others. So um, there's been many, many coaches. That's just a couple of them. Talk about I love that you know I don't know if I'm old school or new school but I know one thing I have to stay in school. Right. So our, our last question here, Coach, what what do you what do you know now that you've learned that you wish you knew ten years ago or you wish you knew back in 2000 when you were just getting started coaching? Yeah, it's funny because when, when you're a young coach, you're always focused about finding a new technique or a new fundamental that changes the game. So you're very much involved with. The hitting, the, the pitching, the, the the fielding, you know, how we do those things, trying to find a better technique to teach the skill. That is really, as a young coach, where I was at. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to teach hitting better than anyone else. I wanted to have a better hitting system. And, and as I got older, you know, I started realizing, um, like Coach Wooden said, is it's, it's less about the X's and O's, but more about the Jim and the Joe's. And it's about those character pieces that go into building a championship caliber person first uh, that ultimately will bring you a national championship on the field. So for me, it's just that transition from understanding that that technical competence is the prerequisite. That's the bare minimum you need. And then what it really needs to turn to is, is developing the person um, and, and developing in one, one student athlete at a time. Awesome. Well, Coach, I appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule here in Europe to sit down and talk with us. And I've been very impressed with your, your, your presentation, your energy, and, and just the way that you would go out there and attack 
uh, and teach when you get out there. It's contagious and it's awesome, man. If there's people who want to become fans of yours and follow you and maybe have you come speak at their state association clinic or come speak at their schools, is there a way that people can contact you either through social media or email or what's the best yeah, way? They'll go to uh, our website, uww.edu, and uh, they can just access the baseball webpage and, and uh, click on the coaching link and I'll be the first guy listed there. So we love to be involved in that. We like to get involved in baseball in any way we can and, and I certainly appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank right. you. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit briancain.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com and sign up for my Monday message where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me through my website on our Contact Us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports.